Just open the show if you press record. Yeah, press record. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, listeners. All 22 listeners from across the globe. My name is Brains. My name's Big Tuna. Fuck's sake. Fuck's sake. I'm bringing the energy today, mate. <laughs> How are you doing, Big Tuna? I'm doing all right. More's to the question. How are you? Um, well, I'm alright. I woke up this morning with severe depression, but I treated right. it the only how way did... I know how. How was that? Ignoring it? No, well, no, that doesn't work. You must treat depression before it spirals out of control. Did you look in the mirror and tell yourself, I am not depressed? No, because right. although that's a beginning, it's not the end. Right, so what did you do? So, yeah, you're right. The first thing you do, you wake up and you connect to God. Correct. Okay. Why? Why do we always have to go back to God? I don't want God to be the theme of our podcast. Right. Well, it's God's the theme of my podcast. Okay. So the podcast of my life. So all I can say is, if I knew an easier way, I'd tell you, mate. But that's the only way I know. Okay. Then I have a bath, and I run a really hot bath to take all the fears out of your body. And then I hold my head under the water and I hold my breath for as long as I can. And I imagine that I'm in a drowning situation where I can't stop myself from drowning and I'm definitely going to die and things can't get any worse. And it creates loads of anxiety and you're gasping for breath, but you're underwater and you hold your nose and then let yourself up and breathe the air. And then suddenly you find all your troubles just wash, start to wash away because you think, oh, I'm not, I was dying a second ago, but now I'm all right. Turns out I'm not a witch. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you, you do that a few times, then get out of bed, put your speakers on, and then listen to Billy Ocean, Red Light Spells Danger at maximum volume, and I can assure you, uh, no matter how clinically depressed you were at the beginning of the day, you'll be alright now. Can we just confirm that you're not a medical professional? Mm, I've been treating depression successfully for many years now. Okay. And for everybody around the world, no matter why they're depressed, the cure is 
uh, wake up, connect with God, have a bath that's too hot, almost drown yourself, and then listen to Billy Ocean. Obviously, the song might change. Right, okay. Okay. Don't want to, like, overgeneralise from your very specific experience. Right, yeah, okay. So the song might change. I just find that Billy Billy Ocean does it for me. It used to be Eminem. I used to put a bit of Eminem on, uh, but I find it can be a bit aggressive. Oh, sorry. I brought it, I brought, I, I brought my dog into the recording studio today. Right, um, that's very professional. <laughs> because I, I like her company, and uh, now she's she's showing off trying to get on the uh, on the radio. Bell, stop that! Don't do that again during the recording session, or you'll have to be chucked out of the studio. Sorry, mate, and sorry, listeners, all twenty-two of you. Yeah, the listening figures came in. Oh, we were furious, weren't we, mate? I wouldn't say furious. Like we were, we were more hurt than furious. <laughs> we've not told anyone about the podcast apart from our friends and acquaintances. So, I think twenty-two is reasonable. It's probably the twenty-two people we've told about it. I know, but I'll be honest with you. I thought I had more than twenty-two friends on my own. Did, did you tell Don't mind more your than, six on top of that? <laughs> did you tell more than twenty-two people? Uh, I feel like I feel I, I sent it to enough people. I'm not sure. Well, I now know that they didn't. They didn't listen to it, even when it blew ticked. Mm, well, there we go. So we need to probably think about how we get people to know about the podcast if our only tactic is at the moment is to just tell our friends. Well, I'm not going to spend too much time worrying about it because we're still on course uh, to be at 220,000 listeners by next year. Okay. Um, so at, at this rate, we're growing. We're just... I'll be honest, in my mind I was thinking the moment we release the first episode, the papers will be ringing, the radio stations will be ringing to give us a, a, a home, if you like, and a salary, which I'm desperately in need of, and that didn't happen, and that, that made me feel a bit dejected, I've got to admit. HR will be ringing, all the important yeah, people. for good things this time, for, for good the first things. time. Speaking of which, haven't you been sacked from another job? Uh, yeah, well, yes, well, yes, kind of, there's no way of dressing up, <laughs> um, I did get another job, I was the well manager done. at a cafe, um, I went in, uh, Gordon Ramsay style, I mean the job was originally, the job wasn't for the manager, I actually created the job, the job was simply for a, a cafe worker assistant person, um, but when I went in and I saw how the place was run, I immediately spoke to the owner and said, you're in the shit here and you're going to need someone to get you out of it and you're just lucky enough that you've stumbled upon that, that person. What made you think that they were in the shit? Well, uh, I moved some furniture and it was absolutely filthy underneath. Dust, grime. You could tell it had not been mopped for years. Um, there's other cafes opening up in the area uh, and... Generally, I just didn't get on with any of my co-workers. <laughs> okay. And I just thought, the combination this place, of all these this things... This place is fucking filthy, and all your staff are horrible. I should be in charge. And you're telling me that didn't last? Well, it did work. I mean, to be honest, I've always done this when I've started jobs, and and it kind of always ends in, uh, well, getting fired. But this time... Uh, the owner took to it quite well, you know, they admitted that there were massive failings and I did tell a white lie 
that once I kind of realised that they were, you know, up for a bit of change, I wanted to reassure them. I wanted to make them feel like they'd made the right decision. And so I said, you know, like, I'll come clean with you. This is actually what I do for a living. You know, I go around different places and I turn businesses around. I imagined that programme, Gordon Ramsay, Hell's Kitchen. Which bit of that lie is white? Well, because technically I haven't done that, but I've always... Technically, I don't really have that experience, but I've always wanted to do that, if you know what I mean. I know I can do it, but I've not actually had the previous experience. That's the only problem. Yeah, that's just called a lie. No, yeah, but it's a white life. It's for the greater good. <laughs> right, okay. Was the greater good your short-term employment? No, I wanted to turn that place around. I wanted right. to make it the best bloody cafe for miles around, and I would have done as well. Um... Was it not for the fact that I found out just like in in the Gordon Ramsay Hell's Kitchen, the hardest people to change are not the staff or the restaurant, but the actual owners themselves, getting them to see that they are the deadwood in the machine and it's them that needs clearing out. Right. Um, so you told the owner to fuck off and um, you're no longer employed? Well, no, I... I I used a, t- a tactic that I'd seen many a time on uh, Hell's Kitchen that uh, I waited you don't, until... J- just just the, to point out, I don't think you mean Hell's Kitchen, I think you mean Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, I, I can't, I've got them here, I've only watched one or two episodes <laughs> okay, years ago. But um, Hell's Kitchen's where he, where he has like a team of um, training chefs and it's like a competition thing. Kitchen Nightmares right. is where he goes into don't think restaurants. I've seen that one. And uses his vast experience and knowledge of the industry to try and improve it. Yeah, that's it. That's that's what I was doing. That's the, that's the industry <laughs> I was in. And yeah. uh, so that one. Um, and um, so I needed to make a change and I needed them to see... Well, I needed them to see how much they needed me, essentially. So I waited till the busiest time of the day. And then I waited for one of the members of staff to make a mistake. Regular as clockwork, they always do. And uh, and then I took off my pinny and I stormed down and I, and I put the pinny down and I said, um, you don't need a manager around here. You need another worker, another, just another member of staff. So I got the owner to call up just a, a nobody, basically, and say, can you come in and cover Andy and do a last-minute shift? So they did that and they got somebody in and I left. Um, I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. Well, to, to show that, to say that, um, unless you start listening to my management style, I can't make the changes that I need to make. And, so, and basically, so, you just want me working here, serving customers and put, put, putting out food and stuff, right. which you can get anybody to do. Any idiot can bloody serve a plate of food. But it, I am. A, it takes a manage. You know, I'm a manager. It takes a certain set of skills to manage the place. Um, but I left, and uh, and I'm thinking, you know. It'll probably only be a few hours that go by before they're calling me up saying, can you come back today? Like, we realise what, you know, what's gone on. The error of our ways. And, um, well, they didn't call. And I left it till well after closing time. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give a quick ring and I, and I call them up. Cooked to the long and short of it. Essentially, they've did now decided that they can manage better without me. And, uh, and I no longer have an employment, employment opportunity there. Okay. How long did that last? Uh, eight days. <laughs> right, okay. Because the way that you tell that story, obviously like, I know this has happened in between our last podcast episode and this, 
But the way that you tell that story makes it sound like it was this massive, long, like, 18 months in there, up against it, trying to sort everything out, and it was eight days. I made all them changes in eight days. What Honestly, changes? I worked what, like what, cha- what changes did you make? So, I, Didn't you just, I retrained didn't you just all tell the staff. People off? Well, that's how you start off. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen, but what he does is he sits down the sta- with the staff and he says, look at this grime, and he scrapes his finger across the surfaces, which is what I did, and then I pulled out the same tables that I'd seen underneath, and I says, who's responsible for cleaning here? And they said, oh, oh and then they tried to turn it around, and they say, well, t- you were employed here to, to work here and start off by cleaning the floor, so technically you. I'm like, <laughs> technically, I'm the bloody manager here now. Who was responsible for cleaning this before I didn't clean it for them few days? And, they, and then they start passing the blame around. So I said, no more bullshit. From this day forth, we're working under new rules. I'm the daddy around here now. And I explained how I wanted things to be run, which was top quality service, essentially. None of the bullshit they got used to serving. And... Uh, at first they rebelled, but after a few days, uh, even they started coming round to my way of thinking that this was the easiest way. Right. How were you with customers? I'm really good with customers, really good with customers. I thought one of the problems at the petrol station was you hated the customers because they were all a bit rude. Did well, that it depends not... on the Did... customer, yeah. Right, okay. So what do you do when there's a rude customer? I'm rude back to them. I think give them exactly as good as they get. Because you'll find that this they're that used to going into places and being rude that they are not very used to the person turning around and being equally, if not more vicious, than they were in the first place. Okay, mate. Um, yeah, there so... was a guy at the uh, petrol... I'm worried. There was a guy at the petrol station who who used to come in and make himself a cup of coffee and then he used to stand by the um, counter... For hours, um, he had his wife in the car outside, and she just sat in the passenger seat. And he would just stand by the, the, and he'd just talk to you, even though you made it very clear that you you didn't want to have a conversation. He somehow turned everything into a conversation. Um, but I'm I I have my concerns about this man. That I think he might have been quite a severe racist, and he was trying to get me involved in racism. And I and I kept trying to steer it away. But um, it always seemed to end back in some sort of topic about race. That I, He had a bald head for a start and he always wore shorts even though it was cold. He, he used to say, uh, he was Scottish, and he'd say, yeah, e- oh, how do you do Scottish now? Eagle, eagles, fly with, eagles fly with eagles, do you know what I mean? And I'd say, oh yes, yes, I know what you mean. And he'd say, well do you though? And I'd say, uh, I think so, yeah. And he'd say, eagles fly with eagles. And I'd be like, yeah. And and I think, and I thought, I thought I knew what he meant. And I didn't think too much about that. I just thought he's quite persistent in this eagles fly with eagles thing. But then later he mentioned he'd been to Alabama or somewhere. And he'd been invited to a KKK um, cookout. And, uh, and I said, oh, well, yeah, well. They would. I'm sure they're very accommodating. You know, if you're white, I tell you, if you were black, you wouldn't have got an invite to a cookout. And uh, and he kind of he kind of glossed over that. And then one time he took a call from his brother, and then he turned around and said, "Oh, you'll never guess where my brother is." And I said, "No, Michael, I won't guess where he is." And he said, "He's gone to the Eagle's Nest. Um, he's on holiday at the Eagle's Nest." And I was like, "Oh, where's the Eagle's Nest?" And he was like in Bavaria or somewhere, it's, it was Hitler's 
um, hideout, and then he looked wistfully out of the window onto the forecourt, and then took a sip of his coffee, and he just said, he'll be standing where the great man stood himself. <laughs> okay, so when you said you weren't sure whether he was a racist, but he was giving off some sort of hints, they, like, did he have a small uh, pencil moustache, and was he wearing an SS uniform? <laughs> no, <laughs> but... It's hard when something happens slowly over a period of time. You don't always piece it together. But upon reflection, when you look back, you think, yeah, you gave me enough clues. I think this story of a racist is distracting from the main point, which is the quality of your customer service. So let's do a little role play. Okay. So you're going to be working in a petrol station and I'm going to come in and um, pay for my petrol. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, Right. Let me just imagine myself behind the tills. Yep, go. Does, does the door make a dinging noise or anything? Uh, it get, yeah, it goes. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, Hiya. Uh, pump number three. Pump number three, £21. Cash your card. Card. There you go. Should be ready for you now. Yeah. Well, that, that was fairly standard. Yeah. Now what? But actually... Uh, let me let me play the role of the customer, uh, and you be the cashier, because I think you'll find that when it's like that, yeah, no problems. But most customers aren't like that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, ding dong. Morning. Yeah. Uh, petrol. Which, which pump is it? Oh, uh, I don't know. What you want me to go and have a look? Oh, is yours the blue car out there? Um, that's pump number four, right? That'll be yeah. yeah uh, it's not yeah, dickhead. It's not blue. Forty nine, please. It's not blue. I'm not okay. paying for someone else's petrol. Okay, sorry. Which one's yours, sir? Oh, bloody hell! Right, give me a second. I'll go and have a look at the pump, shall I? No worries. Ding dong. He's gone outside. Okay. And now there's a queue forming. Okay. What are you do? What are you going to do with the queue? They're getting out of control. Just wait for him to come back. Oh, stand there silent while the queue's going. Well, shouldn't you set their expectations of how long they should be waiting? No. Mm, bad customer service, that Liam. They're, anyway, they're just, he's, they're, sh- he's back. They're just waiting. Ding dong. <laughs> uh, right, pump number two, please. Red car. Perfect. That'll be fourteen eighty-seven. Right. How do I pay for it? Uh, cash or card. Uh, right, I'll pay cash, please. In okay. fact, do you mind if I pay half cash, half card? Yeah, of course, if that's what you want to do, sir. Well, are you sure it's not, are you sure it's not dif- difficult to put through on that till? Must make things more difficult, doesn't it? Not if that's not, not if that's what you need to do. Um, the only thing is, 1487 doesn't divide in two, so how much do you want to put on your card? Are you sure it, well, are you just going to let me pay half cash, half card, even though it must be quite difficult for you to... Go through the till and do that, won't it? Will it? If you want to do it, sir, I don't mind. Oh, well, that's good customer service. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'll just put it all on card, actually. Oh, great. There you go. Hey, isn't it always funny how you can never land on 87 exactly, isn't it? It's ridiculous, See ya. isn't it, sir? See ya. Bye. Alright, there you go, Liam. Welcome to my world. How difficult it can be. That was that was that was a bit of a knobhead customer, I'll give you that. But like Oh yeah. And he was how, an easy one. Okay, so how would you have responded to that customer? Um Right. <coughs> Send him in. <clears throat> Hello? What? Wait. Come on then. 
Are you here? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear door, did I? How did you get in here? Bing bong. Right. Hiya. Hiya. Um, can I pay for my petrol? Yes. Uh, which pump are you? It's that one outside. Can't you see it? No, I can't see outside. There's five cars on that Literally car park. Why would I know which from. one you are? It's the one that I came from. Do you think I spend all my time looking out onto the bloody forecourt, seeing who's sh- walking from which car? Why do you think you're so important? <laughs> I'm not sure what else you're doing. You're working in a petrol station. Yeah, how exactly. You, That's you why not- you're speaking I, to me this I, way. Because you think I'm a piece of <laughs> You think you're bloody amazing. Now, f*** <laughs> off. <Okay>. And scene. <laughs> Honestly, you spend half your time just trying to stay calm. <laughs> okay, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I can see why you got sacked. <laughs> because the boobs around, it turns me Tell me about your chesty cough then. Yes, so I went to the doctor with chesty cough, although you can't get into the doctors at the moment for love and money, so you have to essentially say that it's a lot worse than what it is, if you know what I mean, to actually get an appointment. And then I always have to pretend that I'm a lot worse than I am, because otherwise they just go, oh, you'll be all right, don't, don't, you don't need an appointment. And so um, I went into the doctors and he had an attitude straight away. Uh, straight away he was not... Um, it, 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 his, his bedside manner was terrible and he was just rattling off questions and then one of the questions was um, what colour was your stool and by stool you know what I mean don't you poo yeah, yeah. and um, and uh, he said you've not had any clay poos or black poos and I went whoa, whoa hold on a minute yeah I did have a black poo and he was like when I was like last night he was like, uh, are you sure it was black? And I was like, yeah, it was. And he was like, Ugh. And he went, and then he got all huffed. He was even more huffy than he was when I originally came in. And then he said, if you've had a black poo, I'm going to have to investigate your back passage. And I was like, hold on a minute, mate. I'm not just making up the fact that I had a black poo just so you can stick your finger inside my back passage. I don't get off on that shit. And, and then he was like, I'm going to ask you again, and he's like, I want you to think carefully before you answer, knowing 
that if you tell me that you've had a, a black poo, that suggests you're bleeding internally. It means I'm going to have to do an internal examination of your back passage. You know, making out like I just made it up on the spot. In your stories, everybody's customer service is as bad as you. So yeah. it's just like, <laughs> how how is it that everyone in the world that you interact with has got your attitude? And I honestly don't know. I've asked Do we that think there is years. a common denominator? Uh, uh, do you know, I've changed doctor's surgeries. Okay, well, no explanation then. So it's, carry on. Doctor's so, under pressure, essentially. It's not, so it's not so you told him you had a black poo, yeah, and he and said so he's going to have to examine you. He even gave me like 30 seconds of silence while, I don't know, I'm supposed to rethink whether I had a black poo or not. And then, so he asked me, and then he waited, and then he says, right, so I'll ask you again, um, have you had any black or tarry or clay stools? And I said, yes, I had a black <laughs> last night. And he went, right, <laughs> get onto the bed. And then, he, and then he went and got a nurse, and I could hear him chatting in the next room, and he was saying, this patient is demanding a anal exploration or something. You need to come in here and be my chaperone. And I was so furious, I pulled my pants down and I was just like, good, I'm glad you have to stick your finger. So he was angry and then I'm angry. And then he's like, right, uh, just hold tight. This might feel a bit uncomfortable. I was like, here, make sure you put plenty of lube on that finger because I thought I know what he's going to do. Put rubber gloves on, which are going to drag against my anus and he's not going to put enough... Uh, lube on, so he's going to try and make it as uncomfortable as possible, so I don't ask for it again. I thought, no, I know your tricks, buddy. So I was, make sure, I was like, make sure there's enough lube on your fingers, and then, and then he put his fingers inside, and it, honestly, he was in and out within ten seconds maximum. He didn't, he didn't spend any time exploring up there. Did and you? He came out. Did you what? have? Did you make constant eye contact with him as he did it? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah, honestly, he was so angry, and I just thought, good, look at you. Look at you now. You think you're so great. Is it worth it? 100 grand a year for this. And uh, and then he was in and out, and he says, yep, just as I thought, nothing, no bleeding, no black poo. And I was so angry, and I just thought, why would I make that up? And, uh, and I went home, and uh, a few hours went by, and then I remembered the night before I'd had a non-alcoholic Guinness, and a and black pudding with my dinner, and that had what that's what had made my you know my my my. Uh... You poo black. Yeah, but yeah. he didn't know that, no. and never did I at the time. Okay, so what was going on with the chesty cough? Oh, they said they couldn't find anything. They think I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> Honestly. Why, why would they think that? Because every time I go in with a problem, it mysteriously disappears, and then they, they say that it wasn't there in the first place. As Sorry, mate, I, fact, I'm taking this very seriously, so carry on. As opposed to the fact that if they just examined me quickly, when I had the problem, they'd be able to find the problem. As it is, you've got to go through this system where you have to lie to get an appointment, wait two weeks for an appointment, go in for your appointment, by that time, the symptoms have generally passed, and then they say that there's nothing wrong with you. It's knee good, is it? It's knee good. Anyway. This part of the podcast has been cut, as it was considered too puerile to make the final cut. 
We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Talking of wanking, um, and today's topic, which is uh, the games industry, I believe. Gaming and the games industry. Um, we I read an article that says that data published by Pornhub, which is one of the best uh, porn sites out there, shows that searches for Zelda have spiked since The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was released last week. Have you ever been so excited about the release of a game coming out that you've just spent all your time running up to release jerking off about it? Obviously not now because you can't jerk off, but I mean in the past. I can still jerk off, mate. Well, You get no um, pleasure out of it. <laughs> um, I would want to know some more details about that data. I believe the, fact, the figures. And it says here... Uh, that Zelda's always been popular in the porn industry. In in back when in 2017, when the Nintendo Switch was launched, um, the amount of people searching for Pornhub for Zelda went skyrocketed, even beating Laura Croft. Ooh, Laura Croft. It's um, Laura. It's Laura. Laura Croft. I've always called her Laura. That's not a name. Hmm. Um, so, are there any games out there that you've mercilessly and viciously not been able to save yourself for the release date and released early? This isn't the podcast I was expecting. No. <laughs> it, we yeah. just go with the news, go with the data. I've just realised we've not given the listeners out there, if we've got any left, um, ways to get in touch with the show. Have you got them on hand? People can email us at masturbate at brainsandbigtuner.com and support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash masturbate. Oh, <laughs> computer games. Um, I So when I was a little kid, I had a Sega Mega Drive and a Master System. Oh, um, I remember you had them. I hated them machines because all the games on them were terribly dark and upsetting. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were, like, it was all violence and, like, uh, even the music was abrasive. Like, I, th- I think you're just remembering your childhood trauma. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mainly played Sonic the Hedgehog and Alien Storm and stuff like that. Yeah, Alien Storm, it was scary shit, man. Not like Nintendo, I, no, Alien Storm was basically nice. Golden Axe, but you were fighting aliens. Oh, I liked Golden Axe. Yeah, it was like Golden Axe or Street Fighter or Streets of Rage, one of those ones. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so I played those kind of games a lot as a kid. Um, Because I was a Sega person, I got a Sega Saturn, which nobody else had, and just had some games that no one else seemed to play. So, like, did you ever come around and play Crazy Ivan? Mm, No, I don't think so. You would love it. It's got some really, like, um, I'd want to say impressive Russian accents. Oh, I don't know. I can't go back. The moment I see bad graphics now, I just, I can't do it to myself. I will send you some of the cutscenes, because the cutscenes are good. But imagine, like, um, 90s English actors shouting, NYET! NYET! It's very much like that. NYET! NYET! (laughs) Um, but luckily, we got um, our abs. Hey, we're doing an episode on the Russians, I think, aren't we? Hopefully, well, maybe. 
because a lot of people uh, we 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 don't contone racism on the show, but then we worked out that there were certain races of people that it was kind of all right to be a little bit racist towards. I think no, Russia no. Was on the, what? There's no one who it's all right to be racist about. What even we, if, we agreed like that. what about Germany in 1940s? Why would you, that? Uh, so what do you mean? Do you mean you oppose Nazis? Well, you wouldn't. Or do you, you hate England, all German people? In the people? 1940s in Germany, you wouldn't go. You wouldn't have an advertisement up on your wall. Would you just go in support the German economy, buy German sausages, mmm, delicious? Because <laughs> we 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 all got into the spirit of no, let's turn against them. I think ge- per- pre the Nazis, Germany had a really thriving LGBTQ culture. Oh, um, I'm for the Germans now, and I, I'm. But it's not the 1940s. That, as it stands at the moment, I'm for the Germans. We've actually got some listeners that live near Germany. The point that I was making is that I think it's always going to be problematic if we start to generalise about groups of people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Is it all right to generalise about some groups of people? We no. have to find that no. out. That's We've the opposite of what it. I just said. I don't think we need to debate that. I think we can clarify that early on, that it's never all right to generalise about massive groups of people. Um, I think we already massively simplify... Uh, the complexities and differences between us. Mm. Mm. I'm against racism as a general rule of thumb, but I do find some instances in which it's useful. Okay. What is useful about it? Well, at the moment, we're only a few catastrophes away from all-out war with Russia, so we better be preparing ourselves to... Not like the Russians, and they are quite sneaky. I mean, I don't. I, I feel quite because if there's one nation that is big on retaliation and revenge, it is Russia, in it. So I, I feel like. Oh, in fact, in fact, I'm going to say this right now. If I drop down mysteriously dead, uh, just out of the blue, that is a Russian poisoning, 100 percent. Because ask my doctor, there's nothing wrong with me. I've got a clean bill of health, and. If I did drop down dead because of what's been said on this podcast, I want this nation to rise up and go after Russia and get revenge. Because, yeah, first me, then you. What do you mean, me? Well, you... Do you mean me or do you mean the listener? A part of you will say, oh, that's because they perhaps said something that he shouldn't have done. Yes, because we live in a free country of speech. But what about when Russia takes over and says what you can and can't say. First I th- me, I then think, you. I think it would probably First they be... came for the Jews and I and, did and, nothing. And you're the Jews in this situation. <laughs> no, but you keep going down the list, don't you, until you get to you on the list and then you go, oh yeah, that's why I should have helped all them people before me because <laughs> it was eventually going to get to me. I didn't see that one coming. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> anyway, here we are. Um, but sidetracked. Uh, anyway, that's for a later episode. So we'll we'll take a... Uh, a gentle look at uh, race and and um, good or bad, I guess. We'll stick to that. Well, I'm glad that you interrupted me talking about computer games. But luckily I got my Sega Saturn nicked when we were on holiday. And they stopped selling them, so I got a PlayStation from the insurance company. And I got to pick like 10 or 11 games to go with it. I remember that. I loved your PlayStation. It was right good. So Soul Reaver Legacy of Kane would be my yep. highlight on the PlayStation. Absolutely that was amazing. amazing. That was amazing. It was so deep and the puzzles were so difficult. 
Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely great. It was a wonderful game. At um, last, Raziel! And Kane. It had Kane in there, who was yeah. such a great character. On the PS2, I really Well, am I? Is the usual question. Perhaps in your case, when might me more apt? You remember that? That's from Mobius. That's from fucking Mobius. Oh, I love that game. It is an amazing game. The way yeah. that you would like go in between the spirit world and the uh, like, the vampire world was really good. To solve a puzzle, yeah, that was that was lovely. I love that that one. And then Kane, he was there. Um, at last, wait, give me, give me, line me up, and I'll say the rest of it. So leave it to the line up. Well, tell me, tell me the beginning of the script because I struggle with my memory. Uh, what is? I don't what is the a word that Kane says in there? I remember this whole big thing about a coin landing on its side in the second one. Flip a coin, and you shall see that whether it lands on heads or tails makes no end to destiny, Raziel. For we are all coins rolling down the big bloody hill, <laughs> getting intertwined with weavings of back and forth and round till we end once more as brethren at it's like the... Being, it's like being teleported back there, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you, mate. Thank you. But I actually can't remember the exact words. I actually just made that up. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. Um, <laughs> it was convincing, though. It was good. Yeah. Thank you. I love that game. I've got another little bit of acting for you today. All right. I'm good at acting. Did, you, right. did, I, did I ever tell you, when I first got sober, uh, many, many, many years ago now, uh, the first thing I did was um, I went and starred in a Broadway musical. You didn't star in a Broadway musical. Uh, well, no, it might have been a Broadway musical as performed by Sheffield Amateur Dramatics, but... Yes, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I was on the stage in front of a paying audience. Right, so I've just put the words in the chat. Okay. Wait! How do I know what character I'm playing? Except the scene. Who you, am I? you are. What's motivating me? You are a sexy female dryad. Uh, could I just write into Google dryads? D R Y ads dryads. Seen it. Green woman hair looks like Medusa, but green. Got it. Yeah, no snakes. Okay. Ready. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Three, two, one, action! Intimacy without procreation can be good. Um, how? Sex relieves stress, improving body and mind. We triads must be vigilant and agile to defend our home, and my body demands love. Would you like to be with me? Yes, for the day. Come. Oh! And sing. <laughs> what is that? And why did we just do it? <laughs> that is some of the breathtaking dialogue from The Witcher 1, which oh, everyone you on about I love as, The Witcher. It's an amazing series. And to be fair, The Witcher is a really good series. But yeah. I think as soon as you start to look in detail at a lot of computer games, you come across things like this. You come across dialogue that if it was in Star Wars the prequels, it would be 
just like mocked for how ridiculous it is. So you're saying that even though we've probably just done a very good interpretation of that script and made it sound like it is very well written, you're saying that in the game it comes across a bit flat. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's kind of what I'm saying. And I think that's the thing with a lot of classic games, like Zelda. Um, I know Zelda's a massive one for you. Ocarina of Time is one of the most boring games that's ever been made. I've got to admit, it is that exactly that, yeah. Yeah, you just walk <laughs> around for days and days and days and days having to talk to everybody. To, but I think uh, he had to be story. there at the time. I wasn't there at the time. And so to go back to it, I've had lots of friends say, oh, if you love Zelda, you got Ocarina's the best one, the best one. But I go back to it, I just think, yeah, uh, this is bullshit. What about uh, Duke Nukem and Laura Duke, Croft? Duke like Nukem. Two of the Duke opposing Nukem. spectrums. I, I remember coming round to your house when you had like an old shit PC that you'd built yourself. Yeah, but using, using, I'd stolen individual parts from the computers at school, like from the one I took a motherboard, from the other I took the RAM, from the other I took the hard drive, and then together I made a zombie computer at home. And I got expelled from that that, that school. I was already in a poopal referral unit, so I was already in the lowest of the low, and I managed to get Doom installed on all the PCs in the computer room, and then I got all the students in there, and and then I locked the door, because the door had a lock on the inside for some reason. And then I said, right, that's it for the rest of the day. We're all just playing Doom. And they went, oh, no, we're going to get into trouble. We'll get expelled. I said, no, it's all right. Tell them I've locked you in here. And I I said, if anyone tried to escape, I would kill them. So they they all everyone was like woo and everyone just played Doom for the whole rest of the day and all the teachers were banging on the door going open this door we're gonna call the caretaker to come and bash it down and I was just it was like that scene from Shawshank Redemption where I just put the record on and I just leaned back in the chair and let the music wash over all the prisoners the inmates of this referral centre and uh, and it was lovely and. Um, yeah, I did actually get into quite a lot of trouble for that, actually. I can imagine you did. Are you still in contact with anyone from the pupil referral unit? I'll be honest, a hell of a lot of them are dead. A lot of them are in prison. And right. uh, the rest of them, I probably wouldn't want to know them anymore because <laughs> I've gone up in the world a bit. I remember Andre. Oh, yeah, he had his problems, didn't he? He yeah. worked with animals a lot. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what that means. but, but okay, I shouldn't say too much. No, 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 I don't think we should. Okay, um... If you like Doom, in fact, let's go back to Duke Nukem. Uh, I remember. Yeah, Duke Nukem, he was like the. Let of- me finish <laughs> a fucking story! Yeah, Please! Stop I in, I talking! <laughs> Stop talking for a second! Okay? okay, okay. This I, is a story about you. you this is a story about you. Okay. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Focus. Okay. Remember, it started with your computer. Yes. Okay. Hey, I built so, that computer. Yeah, go on. Oh, did you? From Star One Bits? Oh, then you got... Duke Nukem 3D you had on that computer, and I remember you being so excited that you oh, could, yeah. like, go down, uh, like, you'd had to climb on the outside of a building and then sneak yeah. down a corridor, and then there was, like, uh, Wait, you, you, really wasn't shitty, down the corridor. You, you, pixelated... You climbed, let me tell you, you climbed up the outside of the building, and it looked like the window was, like, a, just a normal window, but you could jump straight through the window. There was no barrage, and then you got into a secret room, and then at the top of the screen, it came up and said, Ooh, a secret place. What was in that secret place? 
uh, some ammo and an enemy. That's not the bit I was going to tell you, mate. Oh, sorry. Go on. I remember you taking, like, showing that you could go down this um, corridor <gasps> and along this bit, and there was, like, women um, pixelated oh, pornography on the walls. Oh, that was the first time I'd seen bare breasts, and honestly, I stood for ages in front of them gyrated pixels. To... <laughs> bare breasts is such a funny way to <laughs> describe it. <laughs> they were they were these, like, this lady tied up in, like, vine against the wall, and the knockers were hanging out, and you could just see the nipples, but looking... Uh, if I saw a picture back of that, of what it actually was now, I reckon I, it would do nothing for me. I would, I would be scornful, if anything. But back then... Like that square for a nipple, and then like four squares for a big boob, uh, were just so titillating. It, I love that. And actually, if there'd been a porn site, or I, I can't remember if I prepubescent at that point, but all I'm saying is, if I could have, I would have done. If that's not too much information. Uh, uh, give us money at Patreon Uh, (laughs) (laughs) donate online at patreon.com please send us an email with your story forward slash masturbate (laughs) who would you like to go on a date with Duke Nukem or the eternal feminist Laura Croft and actually Laura it's Laura Laura Croft who I looked up to and foresaw for the first time that women could be strong leaders and good shots with a gun. Because before that, I didn't have strong role models. Obviously, your mum was a strong role model, but she never picked up a gun. Whereas when Laura Croft first busted onto our screams with a with a beautiful big rack to say, I'm here, boys, follow me, I followed her like Cleopatra. Right. Because they get it is very closely tied with uh, playing computer games. Very closely tied with with sex for some reason. We'd have to get a scientist on here to work out why. Why is it that when we're waiting for a game to come out, we jerk off, or <laughs> when we're playing that game, we think, "Oh, I wonder what that person looks like." Like, think of the amount. Do you remember at school when somebody had pictures of of Laura Croft naked? Laura. Laura. Do you remember? And or somebody had just said, "Oh, I've actually drawn Laura Croft naked." Laura. And go, "Oh, let's have a look." And they go twenty p, and you think, "Oh, it probably won't be worth it." But go on then, and you'd pay twenty p to have a look at this drawing they'd done of because you just you just want to be these characters, don't you? You want to be in inside these characters, literally. Yeah, you want to. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think that's an interesting point, though, that you're making. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. You're making a really bad point. But I think it opens up an interesting point about sexualization of women in computer games. So, yeah, apart from Laura Croft, always a feminist ridiculous. icon, there was the, all other big-boobed women in computer games uh, idiots. Um, I think there is a bigger conversation, which is about how toxic men can be when... Any small changes made to women in computer games that makes them uh, oh, less than sexual objects. So or they try how to armor is ridiculous. How like wi- how women have to have like real need to be really scantily dressed dressed and have um, ridiculous proportions for them to be accepted by large chunks of the gaming community. You've got examples like Horizon Forbidden West where the 
female protagonist had the tiniest amount of body hair and men on the internet lost their mind. You've got men complaining what, about the woman with muscles in The Last of Us. Um, you, it, like, there is a continued ongoing issue with men being really toxic in relation to um, like women existing in computer game spaces. Well, we shouldn't attack... We shouldn't attack toxic men. We should. We, we might have some toxic men who are listeners to this show. But what we should do, perhaps, is work out what, what they're angry about. Like the toxic men? Is Was it pubes that you were talking about with the lady? Because I would be annoyed if the, on one computer game, if you did a certain move or got the camera angle at a certain, you know, in a certain way, you could see... Uh, pubic hair, and then to find that on a later edition of the game, they'd then remove that feature. And I was very angry myself when they reduced the size of um, Laura Croft's breasts. Laura. Laura Croft's breasts. Because I just thought, oh, come on. And I get it was the mobility issue, but still. Why did that make you angry? Because I just thought, come on, we're not children. Um, although... Actually, at that time we were children, but <laughs> yeah, I just thought, oh, we were, come on, we were, we're not children. children. Um, give us what we want and stop trying to mollycoddle us. How do you think it feels to be a woman or a girl having to interact with that media and all the men kicking off the fact that Lara Croft's breasts are slightly smaller? I'll be honest with you, Liam. From the women that I know... Um, the women with the bigger breasts have more problems than the women with the smaller breasts. But what's that got to do with the thing that I just said? I didn't understand the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you imagine that it's a nice environment to exist in as a woman or a non-binary person who has to interact with gamers more broadly, given the levels of sexism and misogyny? I know uh, you're very... lady... Is it... What... How big? What? How big are this lady's breasts? Sorry, they're irrelevant to the conversation. What's What's the complaint then? <laughs> okay. So I think what we can conclude then is no, the no, we're not what? concluding. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me a game called Hades and told me it was amazing, and I it played it for about five hours and I hated every moment. It's of amazing. It. It's really well written. No. It's a fun game. No. What consoles have you got? Switch? Check. Have you got an Xbox like a real man? Yeah. Oh, I have. But mine's... Is it the new one? No. Yes, mine is. And have you got a 4K TV? Are you making the most got a PlayStation. hardware? I've got, I've got a PlayStation as well. Oh, dear. Oh, that's and a I've shame got, for you, isn't it? <laughs> and oh, I've, got, and I've got a PC. Um, we might be alienating a lot of our listeners at home. What if they've never played a game... Should we explain to him what a game is? Go on then. Well, what is it? It's <laughs> a <laughs> so way of life. It's a way of living. It's a way of dealing with your problems. It's a way of life. Got a load of problems, stressed out at work, can't uh, interact with your spouse without arguments, squirrel yourself off to a room and engage in a world of alternate reality. I think my main problem with computer games, I can kind of overlook dodgy writing and graphics dating really badly. I think as an industry, it's really toxic. So there was all those lawsuits that Activision Blizzard went through last year um, around 
really awful sexism and really awful treatment of um, the women who worked for that company. Um, there was that story of a female employee who took her own life on a company trip with her male supervisor who'd um, suffered really intense sexual harassment, including nude pictures of her being passed around the office. Um, all the stuff that goes on at um, Activision Blizzard and Bobby Kotick in general seems like a bit of a scumbag. Do you know, uh, I used to work at an office where there was nude pictures being um, passed around the office of a lady, and then I saw the pictures and was frankly appalled, and yeah. I went and told the lady, and she was like, uh, and I was like, do you want me to um, tell you who showed me them? And she was like, um, no, and she had deliberately put the photos out there and then was charging the men, um, once they'd seen it was like a law. And they get the photos, and then they'd be like, "Oh, she's up for it." And then they go and like try and woo her, and then she would charge them because she was a mistress, like a dominatrix. I think that's why I, when I saw the photos, I wasn't. They didn't do much for me because I thought I'm not into PVC and leather. What's that got to do with a woman killing herself? That was probably the wrong time to <laughs> remember that. Okay. I respectfully withdraw. My okay. observation. Okay, cool. I'm just um, saying, sometimes it's not an accident. Sometimes when, like, it's okay. not always a bad thing. Like, it for is. example. Well, that's, because that that's lady one been... really small anecdotal, um, like, anecdote. That lady against... would have been angry if I had uh, exposed her photos to the management because she wanted them to circulate because she was running a little side hustle. Where were you It'd working like, at the time? Well, can I say the brand name? You can say it and we'll bleep it. <laughs> right, okay. Did you end up uh, in a relationship with this person? No, not that person. <laughs> the person sitting <laughs> next to her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, uh, but yeah, we would have knocked her business for six if we'd done that. It'd be like me posting around a few photos of my genitals at work and just saying, take a look at this. If that looks like something that's up your street, give me a call. And then somebody reporting that to management and saying... I've seen this up my street. Um, uh, this isn't up my street, therefore I'm going to ruin it for everyone. Okay. Yeah, I think it would be bad if you started posting dick pics around an office. I've never done that. I've always relied on word of mouth. <laughs> You've never been in employment long enough. <laughs> so, in, in conclusion... If you could conclude... If I could to... conclude, what I would say is I really love computer games. Um, mm -hmm. I play computer games with my children. They both love computer games. I've had some really good times with you playing computer games over the years. Oh, we've had um, some good times. Like Army of Two. Yeah. Top problematic as that game was. Yeah, because that game taught me the word towel heads, which we later found out to actually be a very racist slur. I think at the time it was very clear that that was a very racist slur. There was so like that. There was a whole, there was a whole swathe of like post nine eleven American games where, um, like mercenaries or like modern warfare. So like the military were there to go and kill like vaguely Middle Eastern looking people. Yeah, and did I tell you that in primary school, so I don't even know what age you are in primary school, but let me tell you, young, I, 
they were teaching us about the Second World War, and I looked at the progression of machinery from not having tanks to having tanks in the First World War to then having uh, planes in the Second World War. And, and so I logically put my hand up and said, that, that suggests that any wars in the future will be fought mainly with machines because obviously a human being can't stand up to a tank. So um, as, as technology progresses, then um, w the wars of the future won't be fought between men, but will be fought between machine. And the, and the teacher there just shot me down in front of the whole class and said, don't be ridiculous. Wars are fought by men. In fact, now I say that out loud, I realise that she was possibly an angry early feminist. So the point that I was making was I've got a real soft spot for computer games. I've had a lot of really good times playing computer games. Me and my kids play a lot of Mario Kart. Um, me and one of my... I'm playing Borderlands 2 through with my seven-year-old at the moment, which is... An amazing game. It's absolutely great. I love great. Borderlands 2. It's, it's a, a real, game. what they call a loot and wank. Uh, <laughs> that you just, you, you, your mind's just obsessed with getting different coloured loot until you, well. Uh, but it's a loot it... and shoot. It's a loot and shoot. Sorry. It be loot and shoot. Loot and shoot. Yeah, sorry. Your mind's obsessed with getting these different coloured guns. I, I think a loot and wank is something else, but I'm not sure. There's a loot and bus. Mm. No, don't know where that came from. Which is a term from GTA, maybe. So, so what we're the, summing up. So my my sum up is that I really love computer games. I spend a lot of time on them. Some of them have been absolutely profound and had a massive impact on my life. Yeah. Um, I uh, for my GCSE coursework, I basically just plagiarized an episode of uh, a level of Hitman Two. Um, oh, Hitman, that was a great PC which game. Which is really good. But there is also a ton of bad writing, a lot of sexism, a lot of misogyny, some storylines that don't make any sense, and if they were in any other media, we would point them out for how rubbish they actually were, including some real classics of the like genre. And the industry itself is really bad. It is driven by money in a really toxic way that intentionally goes out of its way to get people who they refer to as whales to spend far more money than they should on stuff that they should be getting for free. Right. Shout out to the CEOs of the games industry. Yeah. Don't Bo forget what Bobby got Kotick, you into if you're listening. Don't forget what got you into the games industry in the first place. Put your prejudices and reservations to one side and... Um, Start making games like Fable again. I can't wait for the next instalment of Fable, and I'm sure the listeners at home can't either. And let's don't fill it full of sexism and put some good, strong female characters in there with big breasts, and let's all bloody have a good time. Is that your conclusion? <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, as always, it's lovely to talk to you, mate. I've really enjoyed that today, mate. Uh, this morning when I woke up, on the verge of throwing the towel in and getting a proper job. And now I'm back remembering where my place in the world is as a number one podcast host with you, my co-host, Big Tuna. This is signing off with Brains and Big Tuna. Are you with me? I'm with you, mate. Just give the listeners at home just a reminder of how they can participate in the show. 
how they can get in contact and how they can support us. Masturbate at brainsandbigtuna.com. This is serious stuff. Patreon.com forward slash masturbate. The world runs on the green. Right, mate. Speak to you soon. Bye, mate. Bye.